Clementine Ford, Abby Chatfield and M. Rusciano have all recently been diagnosed. Particularly for women, ADHD presents in childhood a little differently, perhaps more of the inattentive symptoms, which means that sometimes girls will go through childhood without receiving a diagnosis. Uh, And it's not until adulthood that they really start to see problems managing their life emerging. Knowing how to spot the signs of ADHD in kids and what to do about it. Today on Feed, Play, Love. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, has been in the headlines recently as adult celebrities have been given a diagnosis. All have spoken about the relief of finally understanding their own neurodivergence. But I've heard that ADHD can present differently in boys and girls and adults. So if we want to help our children, what are the signs of ADHD and how can it be treated? Mark Belgrove is a professor in cognitive neuroscience at Monash University and president of the Australian ADHD Professionals Association. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. So what I've heard about ADHD looking differently in both boys, girls and adults, is is that true? Yes, potentially. Uh, there, there are kind of no hard and fast rules, but um, generally, I guess you would say the stereotypical perception of a child with ADHD as being uh, hyperactive, impulsive, always on the go, doesn't always fit all children, perhaps particularly if they are girls. So ADHD in childhood, uh, the the diagnosis requires uh, a constellation of these symptoms, either inattentive symptoms and or hyperactive impulsive symptoms. Some children will present with both and a lot of children will present only with inattentive symptoms. Now, if those inattentive symptoms really aren't causing, I guess, much of a problem in the home or in the school, they can tend to go unnoticed. So that might be a a child who appears as a little bit dreamy but it's really not impacting particularly negatively with their life, particularly in early childhood when the demands on them might not be particularly high at school, for example. Uh, and what we tend to see is, though, as, as children move on into early adolescence and then later adolescence, when the demands of schooling and life tend to start to increase, what you can see is it tends to unmask some of the problems that these kids are having. So the inattention will become more of a problem that will manifest as a problem with coping, with juggling multiple tasks. Uh, the child might appear to be a bit disorganised and have trouble organising their life. And then even further into adulthood where, as we all know, we have multiple competing demands on our time as adults. We've got to juggle work, we've got to juggle a home and family life. And it can become increasingly difficult Uh, for folks with ADHD to juggle and manage those competing demands. Uh, So, yeah, it can be really a progression, particularly for the kids with a more inattentive presentation of one where they they cope okay in childhood. Uh, Yes, they might be inattentive. Yes, they might be daydreaming. But as they move through adolescence uh, and into adulthood, the really demands on their their cognitive abilities start to uh, become more apparent. With many conditions that deal with neurodiversity, there seems to be some correlation between 
early intervention and getting better results for children as they get older. Is that true of ADHD as well? I mean, is it something that if parents notice their child is a bit dreamy, finds it a bit difficult to concentrate, should we be paying more attention to that when they're younger? Does it make a difference for earlier intervention? Yeah, I think for ADHD, as for all neurodevelopmental conditions, early intervention is is very important. We want to be identifying kids that are having problems early so that we can put in place systems, strategies to help them cope better with life because what we really don't want them want to happen, which unfortunately does happen all too often, is to for these kids to get stuck in a really a cycle of uh, having underachievement, having poor self-esteem, that really damaging their self-worth. So if we can put in strategies earlier in life that can uh, help these kids uh, stay you know, healthy and happy longer, then that's great. So we do know that there are quite a lot of psychosocial, psychological therapies that will help children and they can be implemented early in life. Now, whether that be strategies to help mum and dad parent the child more effectively. We know that that is an evidence-based way of improving the functioning of the child with ADHD, but also the overall functioning of the family. And of course, you know, in some instances, uh, medication will help the child as well uh, and will reduce the symptoms and enable them to function better. Now, I I want to talk about medication in a moment, but if we just go back to this idea that I have heard people say, oh, well, ADHD gets missed in girls because it affects girls differently. But you did mention that it's a spectrum of inattention or hyperactivity. So why is it that we're missing girls? Because those are only two sort of areas that you can look at and and maybe that might lead you to a conclusion of a diagnosis. Sure, yeah. I mean, ADHD, you can think of the symptoms as, as being a dimension or a continuum for you know that varies in the general population and what we call ADHD is the extreme end of that either you know very high inattention or very high hyperactivity impulsivity and those two dimensions inattention on the one hand hyperactive impulsive on the other can coexist within one child or some children will present with one or the other and it is more typical for girls to present with inattentive form of ADHD. And the reason it gets missed is purely because those girls are ostensibly coping pretty well. So the symptoms aren't causing a functional impact on their schooling or their home life to the extent that it gets brought to the attention of of the mother or the father or the school teacher, for example. Uh, And so these kids, these girls particularly, may mask some of the problems that they're having. They may not want to admit they are struggling more uh, than it appears they are. And then it's not until they move through adolescence that they really start to uh, you really start to see some of these um, symptoms and these behaviours unmasked and then it becomes a bit more impar- apparent that they're not coping as well as we might have thought they were. And do we know whether ADHD is genetic or environmental? Mm. So we do know ADHD is genetic. There's um, a large amount of evidence for the genetics of ADHD from across international studies, but also a lot of work done in Australia. So we know it runs in families. We know that two monozygotic, that is identical twins, if one has ADHD, there's a high chance that the other one uh, will also. That is not to say that there aren't environmental influences on 
ADHD as well. ADHD is what we call a complex trait. So that's a arises, we think, in development from a combination of both genes and environment. Just so happens that ADHD, we think the genetic aspect is very strong. But there are certainly environmental influences that we are aware of. So, for example, maternal smoking and drinking, for example, in utero has been linked to ADHD as well. There are certain environmental uh, agents like lead, for example, that have been linked to ADHD. And so what we think of is, is a model where you probably have a genetic predisposition to ADHD and sometimes you'll have environmental triggers as well that act on that genetic background. So if your child is diagnosed with ADHD, would you recommend that parents take a good look at themselves or their partner or the father or mother of the child and see whether perhaps they've had undiagnosed ADHD? Yeah, I think that inevitably happens. Uh, and I would stress here that take a good look at yes, but in a very non-judgmental, non-blaming way, of course. <laughs> yes. um, and often you will find that a parent may receive a diagnosis subsequent to their child receiving a diagnosis because it has brought into focus for them some of the problems that they might have had during childhood, perhaps in a you know in a different era, it wasn't as um, likely to be brought to attention. So yeah, that can definitely definitely happen, and is quite common for that to occur. ADHD can present with other conditions for children, but does it have any side effects such as obsessive thoughts or behaviours, or is that just some? It might be something that is another diagnosis for the child and not necessarily related to ADHD. Yeah, look, ADHD, um, it is very common for ADHD kids to receive other diagnoses, what's called coexisting or comorbid conditions. And in fact, it is the, the rule rather than the exception that kids with ADHD uh, will have other conditions. Most commonly, this might be, for example, autism spectrum disorder. It might be uh, oppositional defiant disorder. So the patterns of symptoms that kids with ADHD can present with can be very varied for that reason. But the core ADHD symptoms relate to inattention, hyperactivity, impulsivity. But that's not to say that a child with ADHD won't have other problems such as uh, difficulties with emotion regulation, for example, is, is often a common one. Most parents will want to try non-medicated strategies before they try medication with their child. How successful are strategies that don't involve medication for ADHD? Sure. Look, there's, um, you know, I would I'd actually probably say that a lot of parents increasingly are aware that medication is a good option for kids with ADHD. And I think a lot of the, I guess, the stigma and the heat has been taken out of that. But that is naturally, we are always looking for what are called non-pharmacological or often psychosocial therapies for ADHD. And look, there are a range of them out there in the field. Uh, some of them have more evidence than others. But what we do know is that uh, for children and, and youth, there is good evidence that both parenting strategies and indeed cognitive behavioural approaches have good evidence for reducing uh, symptoms and improving functioning in kids with ADHD. One thing that we're very fortunate in this in the Western world is that we do have access to really good medications. But one thing I definitely learned as an adult is that there's really no 
silver bullet for anything and, and many medications have side effects. I have noticed with friends who have kids um, that may be taking Ritalin for ADHD is that it suppresses their appetite and that for developing children that can have a real impact on how they're growing and, and just developing physically. How important is it for parents to understand that while medication can help with these conditions, that we have to accept there's also side effects like that, like appetite suppression? Sure. Yeah, look, and I think, uh, you know, this is true for any medication that uh, anyone might take, right? One always mm. needs to be aware of the, the pros and the cons. And I would say at the top that medications that are used to treat ADHD are, are very, very safe. And for many people, they are life-changing and indeed life-saving. Uh, mm. So I think one has to balance that out and, and understand that the benefits uh, far outweigh the negatives in terms of the, the side effect profile. You're absolutely correct that uh, particularly psychostimulants can have an appetite suppressive effect that can lead to a reduction in uh, overall height of children with ADHD. That is a documented finding. So often some clinicians and some parents might agree to having breaks from a medication, what are so-called drug holidays, to enable a bit of catch-up growth. Not all families, not all clinicians uh, would do that, but it is sometimes certainly done. But like here, as I said at the top, any clinician who is um, treating ADHD will have this discussion uh, with the family. They'll make clear that the side effects for ADHD are relatively, uh, for ADHD medications are relatively minimal, but a reduction in appetite is certainly one of those. Most families, most clinician and, and, and families uh, will not just use medication. They'll often use a, what's called a multimodal approach to treating ADHD that would combine both medication and would also combine psychological therapies, modifications that they might need in the school setting, for example, to help them to be able to achieve maximally for themselves. If we suspect our child is displaying symptoms of ADHD or signs that they might have ADHD, what's the first step that we should take? Where do we go? Sure. The first step is always a trip to your local GP. Uh, and increasingly, GPs are becoming more and more aware of ADHD, how to diagnose it and, and indeed treat it. And then the GP will typically then try and arrange a referral to either a psychologist, a paediatrician, or potentially a child and adolescent psychiatrist, bearing in mind that paediatricians and child and adolescent psychiatrists are the ones who are able to prescribe medication. Psychologists are able to diagnose and offer psychological therapies, but medication uh, is in the hands of the paediatricians and the, um, the child and adolescent psychiatrists. And often, you, often a child might have some combination of all these uh, clinicians throughout their journey, and that's entirely appropriate. Each has their own specialty and their own particular aspect to offer for the care and the, and the treatment of ADHD children. So it is a bit of a journey or a research kind of project for parents, isn't it, to find the right people for their child? Yes. I mean, inevitably, I think that is true. You know, some people would refer to it in ADHD as in other neurodevelopmental conditions as the as the diagnostic odyssey, you know, how does it, mm. the time it takes from having first suspicions 
uh, of symptoms to actually receiving a diagnosis and treatment. And it can be quite protracted. We would like it not to be, but funding in the health system for ADHD assessment and treatment is is below par uh, in the, the view of many, including the Australian ADHD Professionals Association. And that's something we're certainly trying to uh, put on the agenda and push for. Mark, thank you so much for your time today. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. That's Mark Belgrove, Professor in Cognitive Neuroscience at Monash University and President of the Australian ADHD Professionals Association. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.